It's the DTC Podcast, people. The Real McCoy. Original recipe. First in your ear hole podcast on dynasty trading and player values. Hosted by Russ Fisher, Izzy Alkafos, and Akash Patel. We are back again with another episode of the Dynasty Trade Calculator flagship podcast. I am your host, Russ Fisher. I have Akash. I have Izzy. And... I'm a little bit of a jerk. I gave my last name, didn't give yours. So um, from now on, I'm just Russ. Not full name, just going first name. Madonna Russ. There you go. Boom. I just referenced myself to Madonna. Never mind. Keep going. All right. It's been a little while. We have not talked about free agency at all, and there's a lot of it. So we're just going right in. We're going to talk about as much as we possibly can, and there's a lot of it. I said, guys, let's buckle down for three hours, and they said no. So... We might not talk about everything as much as we want to, but we're still going to talk about as much as we can because I know you care what we think. That's why you're listening, right? And we appreciate that. So let's start with the big news, the oldest news. We're talking about Russell Wilson actually getting traded to the Denver Broncos. And I mean, Russell Wilson has made his dynasty value heyday in that like, 8 to 12-ish to 14-ish range because at this point, running's a little less. Age is getting up there if that even really matters for quarterbacks hitting that 30 mark. Well, he's at 33 but not the the point. Izzy, talk to me about Russell Wilson's value, him personally going from Seattle to Denver. Yeah, I think it's um, obviously the first time we'll see Russell Wilson in a situation where he's not guaranteed to be a bottom 10 passer in the NFL. So in terms of volume. So that in itself is a positive sign. And it sounds from, I'm assuming, there aren't going to be any more moves in Denver um, to either bring in or subtract assets. So from a supporting cast perspective, it's maybe not as good as it's ever been, but it's still pretty damn good. So... We have to look at this, and I would say the arrow moves slightly up for Russell Wilson because Denver is going to be a pretty good team, and I don't know how much just high-octane they need to be in order to win games. Um, they're really, I mean, I, I will say there's not much of a correlation between not all teams that are stacked, like as we saw with Tom Brady, as we saw with with Matt Stafford. They'll still put up stats, but in a new with a new team, <clears throat> new assets, new coaching staff, the whole thing. I don't know if Russell Wilson's going to step in and be a top 10 volume passer. Um, so I expect them to be in the middle of the pack, somewhere in the 15 to 20 range in terms of passing volume. But that's still an upgrade from where he was in um, in Seattle. So I like it for Russell Wilson. Um, and obviously, I like it for everybody else in that offense. Gosh, how do you feel? Yeah, very similar. Definitely a upgrade for the volume. The weapons are a bit of a downgrade just because you're going from PK and Lockett, but the weapons that he has in Denver are more well-rounded. It's not just two guys commanding all the volume. You got Judy, um, Sutton, Patrick's a bit of a forgotten man. They'll all see a bump. Albert Okwibinam with Fant being shipped off to Denver. He'll see a bump. He's been efficient on a per-route basis. This offense, like Izzy said, you know, it's hard to... Uh, know for certain that they're going to be efficient and, and uh, high soaring, but we have a pretty good idea that they probably will be because it's an upgrade all around and they have good weapons. Uh, so I'm expecting good things from this offense, but I, I think that the bump has made 
Judy and Sutton a bit overvalued for my taste, but Patrick's still a pretty cheap uh, option who's being forgotten about. Yeah, so real quick, um, Russ and Akash, from, uh, when we talk about the bump that these guys saw, at what point are you uncomfortable with the bump? Well, I am insanely biased because I am a huge Judy and Sutton fan. So I'm like running around shooting my guns in the air, just like, yeah, let's go, let's go, let's go. Um, Sutton hasn't been worth a first in a very long time. So I still don't think I want to pay a first. Would I pay Hmm. the 201 for him? I think so. Because in that area of the wide receivers, of players in general, we're talking about in the rookie drafts, it's going to be wide receivers, and it's going to be wide receivers who are in that flat second tier that's like a mile long. So give me Sutton, who had a great rookie year and who has played well whenever he was healthy, and I am just straight up, I will always make excuses for players I like. I will completely just call that out right now. I'm willing to throw out last year because him and Teddy Bridgewater just clearly must have, like, insulted each other's mothers well teddy bridgewater is absolutely terrible for fantasy purposes and especially for the kind of player that sutton is but wilson can play with the kind of player sutton is so if i'll pay pretty much anything with a two for sutton judy you probably have to go to the 111 112 and i think i'm willing to do that because i would have been willing to do it before so why why not do it now is pretty much my thought process i think if you offer a 111 112 you're not getting jerry judy I think he's a bit higher than that. Like, you're going to pay up to, like, a mid-first for him. Uh, Okay, if we're talking like that, I guess I have to see how far it goes. If I have to go to the 108, which actually is relatively close on the Dynasty Trade Calculator, I think I would still probably do it. But I think that was something I would have to feel more comfortable doing while on the clock, just to make sure one of those guys I really like didn't fall. Because I know if, like, some weird something happened and, like, Garrett Wilson fell to the 108, I'd be sitting there slapping myself in the face and being upset about it. But I do love Jerry Judy, so I would probably only slap myself once or twice, which is pretty normal for me anyway. So so you're on the clock. Somebody, you have 110, and somebody offers you Sutton straight up for the 110. You're saying no. Again, it's very dependent on who's going to be there, but, like, if magically okay fine you're not on the clock somebody offers you now you get in your box now okay 110 you don't know anything we don't know landing spots none of that 110 or court and sudden i would hold the 110 only because i think the closer we get to the draft the 110 will start getting worth more and more still and there's nothing that can happen to make sudden worth more or really less right now so i would I would play the smart game. I would try to because patience is not my virtue, but I would do my best to hold off and try and see if I can pull off something better closer to the draft. What about you, Akash? I would keep the 110. Okay. Is it particularly close for you? Um, kind of because this class, like normally in, in other classes, I would, uh, it wouldn't be as close, but this class, I, I keep looking at the r- rookie rankings and like after like 111 112 it kind of gets more dicey but then 110 i still feel good about that pick all right so pulling it back to russell wilson for a second the calculator has russell wilson very like a little bit above the 101 in superflex would you pay the 101 for russell wilson right now yeah i would cool i want to see it get done in denver i want to see him score points in the last six weeks of the season that's 
I'm I'm fine waiting a year because the one more year on his age will bring his price down a little bit or at least keep it stale. So if I could pay the same thing after seeing it done in Denver, I'm willing to wait. All right, let's move on now. Carson Wentz traded to, the, I still can't say, it. they're the Washington football team still for me. I The Commanders is such a bleh name. What are we doing with Carson Wentz? We knew he was on his outs in Indianapolis. Is this good? Do we care? I guess, Akash, you go first because Izzy went first last time. Well, Wentz was um, already, he's being passed around the NFL, so to speak. And so after being out of the Eagles, going to Indianapolis, then after only one year, they decide that we don't want him. They ship him off to uh, Washington football team. They're basically saying, like, teams don't want Carson Wentz. Eventually, he's not going to start anymore. So you're looking at very short-term production. Not going to be very good production. His price isn't very high, but if I'm not contending for anything i'm looking to move him because i feel like he has short-term value and i don't think he's long for a starting job but right now it's fine to hold him as qb2 production so if i would have shown you a quarterback last year that it's weird with carson wentz because he had 27 touchdowns and only seven interceptions yep but if you asked anybody they would say that he was trash. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's like a weird thing. With, and, and, and it's mainly because I think he only passed for like 200 yards a game. And is that because Jonathan Taylor's there? Is that because... Michael Pittman's the only person he had to throw to? Well, yeah. I mean, it could, a lot could be that defense was pretty solid. <clears throat> also, we could look at it and say, well, if Carson Wentz didn't have Jonathan Taylor, would all his other numbers in terms of efficiency come down? So like, there's definitely other ways to look at it. With the move over to Washington, there's potential there. Because if you look at his career, in 2017, he had 33 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. 2018, 21 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. 2019, 27 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. And then 2021, 27 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. So 2020 and his rookie season were the only two seasons where he didn't just have seven interceptions. So he's always done a pretty decent job of protecting the ball. Um, and they're not going to have an offense that's going to be Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. You know, Taylor Gibson's great, but I don't think he's going to be seeing 300 carries or that offense is going to be leading the league in, in rushing or anywhere near it. So I think there might be a sneaky play here for Wentz. I expect him, if he plays all 17 games, to easily eclipse 4,000 passing yards. And I think if he gets that 25 to 30 touchdown range, he's definitely that mid to high QB2 potential um, if things string out the right way. So, I don't know. I don't hate it. Everybody hates Carson Wentz, and I totally get it. But there's a small part of me that thinks there could be some sort of renaissance here. Okay, so I am just going to drop two pieces of information, and then I'm going to ask another question. Last year, Carson Wentz averaged 18 points per game, which, again, that is not a crappy season. He, he was quarterback 21, but that's also including people like Nick Foles and Trevor Simeon, who played very few games, so if they popped off once or twice, they, they stick above him. So even still, we'll call him QB 21, 18 points per game. I feel like that is safer to play than saying, I'll find a wide receiver or running back I could throw in my last flex spot 
two score more than my QB2 would. Like, you're starting Carson Wentz every week. And that's awesome. Also, second piece of information. Carson Wentz, 9.8 points on the calculator. The 202 is 9.9. Mm-hmm. Do you have to pay for a first for Wentz? I don't think you have to. So being able to throw the 202 for a, an extremely solid QB2, I mean, that sounds good to me. I would absolutely do that. What about well, you guys? Well, let me ask. Yeah, let's form it the other way. Would you give up a first to acquire Carson Wentz? Any first? I would give up the 112 if I had the 112-ish. Yeah, I, I would give up the very end of the first because let's face it, what's the difference between the 112 and the 202? It's really just two picks, but psychologically, it's that one. So the two picks doesn't really matter to me. And if I have that good of a team where I earned the 112, and let's say I was playing that bottom of the quarterback, you know, roulette, and I lost Roethlisberger or, I, well, I guess technically you got Brady back, which we'll talk about in a bit then yeah, I'd absolutely send my first to go get Wentz, who I can easily plug in and just keep going on with my life. Fair enough. All right, let's move on to the biggest and I guess not really surprising trade of the week, actually like five days that the NFL league has been open. Deshaun Watson traded to the Browns where we had a little bit of uh, excitement going on where, it, like I don't think I've ever seen this in football before, where we had three teams who had offers that were worthy of meeting with Watson. It was the Saints, Falcons, and Browns. Or were the Panthers in there? I can't remember. Panthers were in there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was three teams. And then they were slowly, like, like they didn't get the rose. Like, you know, they were voted off the island, like, one at a time. And then all of a sudden, Watson wouldn't tr- waive his no-trade clause for Cleveland. And then 20 minutes later, Watson's going to Cleveland. It was, it was like, I don't remember that happening in the NFL before. And it was a lot of fun. But Watson goes to the Cleveland Browns right after, not right after, but shortly after Amari Cooper goes to the Browns. So I guess let's talk about them both at the same time, because do you believe Amari Cooper is good enough to be that guy there, which I'm sure they're also draft a wide receiver or do something else at some point with whatever draft capital they have left? Is Deshaun Watson that top five, six QB for you guys? I mean, that's really the question, because that's his price at the moment. He's worth 101 in the 110 in the calculator. Like, you're definitely sending multiple firsts to go get Deshaun Watson. Like, do you think his upside is still there in Cleveland? Do you think he's worth it? Yeah, over his career, he's averaged 25 points per game. He's a top five quarterback. The only thing that's keeping him out of, like, the uh, tier after Allen and Mahomes for me is the fact that you're going to miss some time this season with the suspension. But other than that, when he plays, he's a top five or so quarterback. Any, any, um, He'll force one of um someone uh in that Herbert, uh, Kyler, Lamar tier. He could easily force some of them, one of them, out of the top five in scoring. He'll end up there. As for Amari Cooper, uh, I'm not as high on him as some of the people who are very hyped with Watson going there. He's always been a career wide receiver two in fantasy. Uh, his uh range is like 13 to 15 points per game, so that's about what I'm expecting now even with this high um, efficiency offense that we're about to see with Watson going there. But I'm not worried about Watson at all, even uh, after his long hiatus from football. Is he? Um, yeah, I think what Cash said, he's been a career wide receiver too. Uh, in 2018, he was a wide receiver one. I think he was 7th or 8th. He was 14th in points per game. Oh, really? I had, hmm. Could have sworn he was a wide receiver one that year. 
Nice, sixteenth. My bad. He was a uh, top twelve in total points, but points per game, he was wide receiver. Too. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, so I look at this. I, I think he could be a fringe wide receiver one this year. Mm-hmm. The problem with I would view Amari Cooper's situation in Cleveland. I think is going to be very similar to that 2019 season, uh, where it was just Cooper and Gallup with a good run game. So I expect that to be very similar to what he sees in Cleveland, um, because Cleveland was a bottom five passing team last year. But I feel like that's more to do with Baker than it has to do with the philosophy. Mm-hmm of the of the franchise or of the coaching staff so i view cooper and here's the thing i will never go out and acquire cooper unless his value is substantially low because cooper like kosh was saying is a career wide receiver too but everyone always expects him to be a wide receiver one mm-hmm. or views him in that light i think over the last couple of years that's kind of faded but the allure of cooper being a wide receiver one and his value always being in that top 10 to 12 range um it never came to fruition but I think we've kind of gotten past the Amari Cooper is going to be it. I think now people are getting tired of Amari Cooper. So it really depends on where the value is there. And the problem now with when he went to the Browns initially, I think there was a window there to get him really cheap relative. Um, once Watson goes there, the price spikes significantly. So I probably fade in Cooper. At this point, he's coming close to that age that I just don't like acquiring players at. That twenty-seven, that late twenty, you know, late twenties. I like acquiring players when they're back into their thirties because the value just completely bottoms out. You can still get a few more years, um, but I think it's a really good spot for him, and I think he's going to probably have his best, if not his best, season on a points per game basis when Deshaun Watson plays. Because I still think Deshaun will probably get four to eight games from a suspension perspective. Okay, so let's straight down to value. Are you guys willing to pay multiple firsts where one of those firsts is probably the 101 for Deshaun Watson? And would you pay something around the 108-ish for Amari Cooper? Izzy, go first. I would absolutely pay 101 plus for Deshaun. Um, I would not pay 108 for Cooper, even though I do think he's going to have a good year. Gosh. Yeah, I would totally do the 101 plus for Watson. He should be close to a top eight dynasty asset now. And I wouldn't pay the 108 for Amari Cooper. Maybe a later first, but not the 108. Yeah, I think that's where I am too. Uh, Because this seems to be just a bump from the moves. Not necessarily his move, but Watson's move afterwards. I feel like people were down enough on Cooper that you probably could have done the 201 or 112 area. One of those... You want to get a first, but you only want to pay a second, you know, that, that area right in between the two. So I'll wait for something to settle down a little bit before so, I go on off of that. Let me ask real quick. The, a 23 first is probably pretty close to Cooper in the calculator, correct? Uh, hold on. I didn't even I, – I avoid talking about 2023 20, firsts right now because they are just gold. Um, it is actually still worth more, 23 points to 17.8. Um, I have multiple offers of trying to send Amari Cooper for a 23 first rejected over the past like maybe four months on teams okay. that I was trying to rebuild on. So that another reason I just didn't bother bringing it up because in practice, I've seen it rejected many times. That's understandable. I wouldn't pay a 23 first for him either. I, I don't really, th- I honestly don't know many people that would. Well, again, this was, but this was before all of this news happened, but I still don't think 
enough has changed for that to change. I still don't think anyone's really paying a 23 first for him. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know if they were close in value or not, but yeah. If you could add like a late two to that and be, to entice the guy to take it, maybe they uh, are more inclined to do so. And then you just hope that 23 first ends up top six or something so you can get good value gains, but harder to. I, yeah, I would easily throw a late second into a trade for a first, you know, on top of whatever I'm already offering to get a first out of it. Real quick, what's your what's your value line for a 23 verse? This is kind of a off-season talking point that a lot of people have kind of clamored about. But from a 2022 first perspective, at what point would you flip a 23 for what pick in a 22 class as of right now? 107 is my answer. Um, my top tier is about five-ish players, and I'm giving a little bit of a buffer right now for landing spots that there's going to be one or two guys where a quarterback's going to get taken earlier than I thought. You know, I right now, I'm leaving Malik Willis house because I do think he's getting taken early enough where he's going to be the Superflex 101. And apologies, I didn't say before. I, I talk about everything in Superflex just because that's, I played 99% of my leagues are Superflex. So I, my top tier is about five players. And I'll give a buffer for one of those quarterbacks getting taken a little earlier. And then someone out of the blue, like that we like the profile of like, Christian Watson, Jamison Williams, like getting taken earlier than we thought and putting them into the top tier if I like the landing spot enough. So I, I around that 107, 108, I would probably just do it now for the heck of it. If I wasn't, you're never depending on a rookie, but if it doesn't make me feel like my roster is prettier for having that rookie on it, because I know you guys don't, but I totally care about how pretty my roster looks. I totally do too. I'm, I'm with you, Russ. Maybe Izzy, right, we can shine Izzy from this, but me and you are together on this. All right, but okay, what's your answer on that one? Did you give one a cash? Yeah, I would do the 106. Uh, the You're talking about like six players in there. I'm only looking at five there. I don't think I'm as high on, uh, I don't know, Kenneth Walker, I think is our difference because I'm not as high on him. Uh, the only reason I'm high enough on him is because I think the value will, the trade value mm. will be there because everyone went nuts, but he's he's still just pretty much a two down back at this point. Right. Yeah, he yeah. is. And I'm not interested in investing that with a top six rookie pick, a guy who doesn't catch passes. It just, there's too much, too low of a floor, not high enough of a ceiling for me. That's fair. All right. What about you, Izzy? Um, I you want to shut that up. I... I think the conversation of two down back, I mean, there's been so many receivers that we assume were going to be two down backs that have actually become three down backs in the NFL. So it really depends on where he goes and how the teams use him. Kenneth Walker is just fine as a receiver if the team wants to utilize him as such. So we, yeah. I think the notion of him being a two down back is probably a little off and might bring down his value. And if that's kind of where the community mindset is on Kenneth Walker, I will scoop up a lot of shares of him um, because I, I don't like putting guys in boxes like that because we've just seen it too too often where players are put in that box, but they do much more than that in the NFL. Like even like look at Leonard Fournette. He was, he was nothing from a receiving perspective until he went to Tampa and then he became. He had a hundred targets his last season, Jacksonville. Oh, was it was it Jacksonville? Yeah, last it was season? the year before Tampa. Yeah. Okay, so it's year Len, before Tampa. Len so, had a had a good receiving pro, uh, profile in college in his last season at LSU. But when he came to the NFL, he was labeled as a two down. People were not labeling him as a full three down back. They assumed that he was going to be a two down back, and then he was going to get a few receptions. Yeah, but, but also, 
are we willing to wait three years for the hope that that happens? Yeah, no, I get that. I mean, it's not something that right out of the box he's going to be ready. But, you know, we saw it with Zeke. He caught 80 or 90 pa- – or I think he caught 80 passes one year. So it, it's not something that I want to harp on. But anyways, uh, I think for me the number is probably, yeah, 10 – I'd probably flip just straight 106. All right, let's move on to another saga that came to an end in Aaron Rodgers. And I guess we kind of need to talk about Devontae Adams at the same time a little bit, even though he, Devontae Adams ended up getting traded away. But it was, I guess, a surprise. I think, at, at least I, I can't speak for everyone else, but it just felt like if they brought back Rodgers, they'd find a way to keep Adams there. And that didn't happen. But we do have Aaron Rodgers, who is, oh, a, I never saw that badge before, a top five traded player on a Dynasty Trade Calculator. On the actual calculator, a nice little badge pops up. That's cool. Uh, but Rogers right now coming in at about the equivalent of the 103. I mean, are we paying the 103 for a 38-year-old quarterback who comes back now without his most trusted weapon for the past five years? Um, I don't care who goes first. Someone start talking. Go for it, Izzy. I think if you're a contender, the answer has to be yes. It doesn't sound like Rogers wants to. That's always a risk, right? Um, but I feel like Rodgers really doesn't have really an identity outside of football. I mean, I know he can do like the Jeopardy thing and all of that, but I look at kind of what is Rodgers? He's, he's not married. He has no kids. There's nothing to like, there's no life after football that he needs to like really commit himself to. So I feel like it would just be him getting sick of football more than him wanting to go do something else or like take care of his family or spend time with his kids. So. I don't know. I think the whole Rodgers retiring thing just doesn't – I feel like he wants to be considered one of the best, and he wants to accumulate stats and do all of that just to go down as – because he hasn't won enough, and there's always those doubters that saying, well, Rodgers never won the big game more than once, or he's, he's completely underperforming in the playoffs. So I think he'll always be chasing the fact that he's viewed as an under, underachiever relative to his talent. So. I'm less concerned about him retiring than others, just based on pure what makes sense to me. So, I don't know. I think he's got three or four good years in him. And I would say that's probably, one of three is probably reasonable. I think it's hard for somebody that's not convinced that they're a contender to pull the trigger on a trade like that. But, I don't know. I, I would say, like, 105, for me, is probably the most reasonable spot. But I can see somebody paying the 103. So before the re-signing actually happened, uh, I was going through one of my teams, the same team I was talking about before that I was trying to blow up a little bit, and I offered Aaron Rodgers for the 106. Now, this was like maybe two, three days before the signing. It felt a, eh, in the first place, but I'm like, let me just try and get some draft picks. The six feels all right. The tweet goes out that Aaron Rodgers is re-signing, and then bing, oh, I get an email. What was that? Oh, yeah. All right, cool. No, I left that one out there for a little too long. So I'm sitting there trying to like, okay, I'm not going to, you know, start crying or ask to reverse it because the trade was there. He accepted it. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I'm like, but do I feel bad about it? Do I think I could have gotten more? And I'm sitting there thinking about it. I'm like, honestly, I don't really think so. I think the 103 for Aaron Rodgers, like maybe like as the season is starting and we care about our lineups and maybe we want a quarterback gets hurt. And then that's when you're like, all right, I'll throw something big to go get 
this guy I know is probably no, I know and probably I know those don't really go together, but has a high percentage of finishing as a top five producing quarterback, even just this season. Yeah, but uh, like, honestly, I got the 106 and I talked myself into not feeling bad about it. So if I could get the 103 for Aaron Rodgers, I think I hit accept very quickly. Unless, again, I have that team that's ready to walk in because I don't think you're flipping that 103 for a quarterback that will produce anywhere near what Rodgers does. Any quick thoughts on Rodgers, Akash? No, your valuation, both of your valuations are pretty spot on. If I'm heavily contending, then I'm okay with that. But then uh, if I'm not, I'm looking to move it down more to like the fifth or sixth. Because, you know, like I said earlier, the sixth, that I'd feel good about that just because I have five guys in that top tier pretty much. Okay, so since we're talking about the 103, let's stick on the 103 because for pretty much the exact same price as Aaron Rodgers, his X number one receiver, Devontae Adams, on the Las Vegas Raiders is going for the same price. Now, Izzy, this is around the age you said you like to buy into, into wide receivers because he's on that older age. He's got that price, the age discount going already. You setting that high of a pick for Devontae Adams right now? Mm, not yet. I want to give it a year. So he's, he's, still, he's still got a two in front of his name. Uh, or not in front of his name, but on uh, his age, and he won't be 30 until next offseason. Oh, so, so okay, I'll you be, want that three there. Okay, so it's not three. late 20s. It's not that 29 into 30. You want that three there. Yes, because he, he's still being propped up a little bit, and it's mostly due to the fact that he's got that two. So once he hits that three, we saw it with Julio, the bottom falls out in the mat. Julio went on and had like, if you guys remember his season, he had an absolutely monstrous season at age 30. Mm-hmm. Think about it's 30 or 31. I think it was 30. Um, and his value still never, like it just didn't, it, it did not move. So Can't I look at this at that point. Yeah, it, it's, it's done. Once you hit 30, it's done. So at that point, so, you're just paying for production. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, what, really, what's the difference between 29 and 30 from a, it, like, it's just one year. Um, but yeah, so he had that, he had, 170 targets. He had 113 receptions, almost 1,700 yards, and eight touchdowns. Yeah, that and, was at 29. Yeah, that was at, that was his 29. So then when that was yeah that was his age 29 season. But then, and then he had 30 and in the still lost season, a bunch of value. Yeah, yeah. So yep. he was 30 and he lost a ton of value. Like his value went down. So I look at this with Devonte Adams the same way. Um, his value will go down next year 1,000 percent. Like it's just it's one no matter what he does. In Las Vegas, his value will be lower next year, this time next year, than it is today, no matter what. He could have 2,000 yards. (laughs) So I am not touching Adams at 103 just because it's a depreciating asset guaranteed. I will then wait for him to get into that 108 range, I'm guessing, next year. Um, And then I will look to say, okay, I, I think I can acquire Devonta Adams at 108, 109 and get a few years out of him where he's going to produce at a top 10, maybe even top five level for a few years until he fades off into the sunset. So 103 is way too rich for my blood. All right. I don't know if we've talked about where you are on the ageist scale, Akash. Like, where do you fall in? Like, are you not touching this guy anymore because he has that 29 number there? Um, The 103 is a high price, so it's not really, there's no real age discount there, I don't think. I guess technically there is because he should be worth more with his production that he's giving right now. So I guess the question is, are you in on Devontae Adams in general? And what is the ceiling pick price that you'd be willing to pay for him right now? 
I think I'm in on him. I mean, I've drafted him in a few startups uh, since the offseason started. And like the late third round I've gotten him, it feels pretty, not like super cheap, but it feels cheap enough for a guy who has top two production or pro- probably even, possibly even top one production. And I'm fine sending the 103 for him because I have, I, I like I like Brees and I like Malik as top guys. But then after that, once you get to the uh, London, Burks, uh, Garrett Wilson, like they're probably, they, I have a good idea that they could turn into good wide receivers. But I think that at that point, the Devontae Adams juice is worth the squeeze. So I'm willing to pay the 103 for him. Juice is worth the squeeze. Nice, nice phrase drop right there. I like it. <laughs> Okay, well, okay, so we have one more quarterback to talk about. I was going to say one more thing about okay. Adams. So when we get – you, this is kind of knowing your league and knowing who's in it. So I peruse the mock drafts every now and again, and I'll like just kind of poke around see if I can get 8 to 10 mock drafts just to see where players are going. And whenever players hit that 29 age, you see some draft – like Adams I saw as high as top five. I think he went five or six in a super flex draft. Oh, and I've seen him as low as early fourth. So wow. like, the delta there is massive. Yes. On players like that. So knowing what type of league you're in, like when you see the 103 as his value, the range on that, it could be 101 plus and it could be 110. So like, in, in a specific league. So you got to know your sub market, especially with older players. When you get players in their mid 20s or in their prime, like the value gap the deviation between leagues is going to be very tight so it's really difficult with older players because some people might be listening and be like holy cow 103 who the hell is paying that and then somebody somebody will be listening and be like 103 that's a steal are you kidding me so it's like just massive delta with those older players so something to keep in mind see that's why we keep izzy around he says smart <laughs> things all right let's talk about the last quarterback we have at least i have on the list and that's tom brady and the only real question we have to ask is are you paying a first for him? Because I don't think at this point, production-wise, anyone's going to settle for a second at this point. This could be his last year. Again, we've been doing this for the past like four years, though. Are you paying uh, the one twelve? Let's say you won the league and you, again, like before, you lost that cycle of QB2s with the older guys. Are you going to go pay the one twelve for Tom Brady right now? Just someone say yes or no. I don't care who it is. No. I mean, it's a league-winning transaction potentially uh especially if you need that quarterback the only way i would do that i would never do it but if somebody's listening because i understand some people are willing to the only (laughs) way i would do it but when i would do it is (laughs) if somebody is in the i need to constantly mortgage my future for winning it's hard to find a better piece to acquire that could legitimately give you a top five quarterback than paying the 112 for Tom Brady. So I get it if you're that type of person. Other than that, it's a firm no. See, I would do it. Again, like exactly what you said. If I earned the 112 and don't have a QB2, it's the literally the best option that you can get right now for that price. And if you won last year, you want to win again, I'm pretty sure you're usually fine paying for what might be a one-year asset. Like, the thrill of going back to back in a dynasty league, like that's why you do it, right? You want that dynasty because by the time you win next year, you get another year's worth of picks just to throw around. So right now, I would absolutely, without even thinking about it, throw the once ball for Tom Brady. Lakash? 
I'm I I'm uh with Izzy here. I'm sorry, Russ. I, I'm not gonna mortgage my future like that. I think people are uh often far too confident about whether or not they can win a league. It's often not gonna be, oh, I have the best team. I'm pro- I'm like definitely gonna win this league. You you don't even have a greater than fifty chance fifty fifty chance. Um uh I think that I would rather try to flip like uh mid range like a player worth uh late first or an early second, I'd rather flip that than mortgage my future and say this pick is definitely going to be a later one next year or I just got the 112 because I won the championship and flip that for Brady because then I lose roster flexibility if something happens to some of my stars and I suffer injuries early in the season my team isn't looking as good I don't have that flexibility anymore because I gave up my future first to go and get Brady I think that's a really fair point that we didn't really speak out loud at the very beginning of all of this when we're talking about pick values, it's only because it's the most universal price we can really talk about. You know, when we're talking about would you sell X player for Tom Brady, that is so specific because you have to find a specific league where one person has a championship team who has this player on their team and they're willing to, the person who has Brady isn't also competing and they're willing, like way too much needs to go on. So when the reason we talk about pure pick values is you can sort of use that to gauge, oh, well, they're saying the price for Brady is like the 112. I have this wide receiver I value at the 112. Would I go and do that swap? Yeah, we talk about it specifically when we're talking about, well, this wide receiver is going to be there because it's part of the discussion. But I mean, Akash brings up a great point where you don't need to just trade picks. You have all of these players on your teams you can move. So use that idea of value to sort of think about trades and how you would put it together for this player even if a pick is not involved yeah you're right i can't tell if that's an approving or disapproving nod you're giving me izzy yeah um yes yeah yeah there's just so many ways to look at this from a philosophical perspective that you can pretty much when it comes to a quarterback that can finish as the number one quarterback in fantasy you could legitimately make any argument outside of giving up just like the farm for it, right? But at the 112, you can make any legitimate argument to make the swap. Like, yeah, you could get the number one scoring player in all of fantasy for that one year. So I get it. So Tom Brady and might be the only player that is 44 years in the history of football that would be 44 years old and somebody could make an argument that giving up the 112 for a 44-year-old is okay. That's it. So it's not like when we talk about our philosophy, this is an exception to the rule with Brady. So it's not something that you can take and just label it with somebody else. It's it's It ends at Tom Brady. Yes. Like we're having a conversation about Aaron Rodgers at 103 and at 38 years old, and Tom Brady is six, seven years older than Aaron Rodgers, and we're like, oh, I don't know about the one. And, and Aaron Rodgers is a perennial top three quarterback in fantasy or top five. So, I don't know. Brady, Brady's Brady. <laughs> 112, go ahead if you really believe in it and you want it for 2022. But I agree with Akash. The chances of winning are so low when you start out in the offseason because anything can happen. But... um. I get it if you want to want to gamble. Okay, so as expected, we, of course, 
spent almost a full hour just talking about the quarterbacks, though we did get some other wide receivers thrown in there. So we're going to go a little quick down the rest of these players. Allen Robinson goes to the Rams. I am, in fact, thrilled. I don't still don't think you have to pay you first, but where in that second round would you guys feel comfortable going and sending out a trade offer for Allen Robinson? I'm going to say with Bobby Trees being gone, before Bobby Trees left, I would have said probably 206 range. After Bobby Trees leaves, I would say I'm comfortable at the 202, 201 range. And that's for what I know is going to be a depreciating asset, but I'm good at that number. That's actually right up my alley. So what are you at, Akash? Yeah, same with that. Uh, not like a 201 or 202, but I think that 203 or 204 feels better. Uh, well, I'm just a huge Allen Robinson guy, so I'll, I'll let my bias give me those one or two picks earlier. Uh, another guy that I have refused to let go of my love of is Juju Smith-Schuster moves over to the Chiefs, which would have happened last year had the salary cap not gone down. So Juju does the smart financial moves, waits a year, and still gets the contract. How do you guys feel about Juju, whose value has just tanked? Where, again, I will absolutely make excuses for players I love. Played hurt, played with a hurt Ben Roethlisberger and Mason Rudolph in this past, like, two, three seasons. How do you guys feel about Juju? And, I mean, would you be willing to send, a, like, the 112 late first to go get Juju right now, Izzy? No. No, no, but I know a lot of people will. The Chiefs don't need... A wide receiver. They've been successful without a wide receiver, too. It's kind of the same thing. Like we're always chasing the wide receiver, too. Even with Aaron Rodgers, we've never really had... I mean, back when Donald Driver and Greg Jennings played together, sure, there's wide receiver, two there. But he supported just a wide receiver, one, and that's it. You can't... We're always chasing the second wide receiver in a high-octane offense. And we've seen time and time again that just because there's a player there doesn't mean that points end up going there. Now, granted, Juju's the best wide receiver, too, that the Chiefs have had. But at the same time, he really wasn't that great in Pittsburgh where other players like Claypool and Deontay outperformed him from a per-snap basis. I think when he goes to KC, he's going to be just the safety blanket type of receiver where he's still going to get his 8 to 10 yards per reception just used along, around the line of scrimmage. But I don't think he's going to give you what people expect with the Kansas City Chiefs in terms of being with Pat Mahomes and all of that. So I think he's easily the third in targets. And he's younger, but the 112 just seems like a lot to pay for a guy that's going to be the wide receiver three in the offense behind Tyreek and Kelsey. Because Kelsey's the wide receiver two. Like He's not yeah. a tight end. He's, he's a wide receiver two. So you're paying wide receiver three, 112 for a wide receiver three. I don't know. I don't like it. It is also a one-year deal, so it's kind of like he's betting yeah. on himself. And so he's still 25. He could move on from KC next year. Yeah, and like I said before, it's insanely biased, I would do it. <laughs> okay. Why are you insanely like, biased? I guess I, I missed that. I, I, miss, I, I love Juju, so I would absolutely do it. Just because of my, you know, pre-love of this player, I would be willing to bet a little more. Because... Dude. He's not that good. Like, yes, he is, though. He's okay. He's like, not. When was he, he, he at his best? With Antonio Brown. He had, what? but he had one season. Russ. He had two seasons. This is the thing with, Ju no, he had one. His, his he had rookie one season was good for a rookie. You have to compare rookie for to a rookie. Rookies, yeah, that rookie but, season was a good season. Like, and he was a good prospect. Like, 
So I, you, you can be nuanced here. You can say like, okay, he was good to start his career. His career arc looked good after two years, and it hasn't been as good. His numbers have been down over the last few seasons. He's been a little injured, but overall his numbers have been down. We could say that, okay, the real Juju is probably somewhere in the middle of not good over the last couple seasons and good to start his career. His yeah, yards as... per target has plummeted. Every, yeah, because his 8.6, 7.9, 6.5, 4.6. And, and I get it. That could be tied to Ben. But like I said, when you see Ben and the connection he has with the ability with, of Deontay Johnson to produce with Ben Roethlisberger, you can't be like, so why isn't make the excuse for Juju? Like, there is a player that's able to produce with, with Big Ben. Yeah. Why isn't it Juju? He had 15 points per game in 2020. In 20, he was decent, but he also had he needed like 150 targets to get that number. Yeah, he earned it's targets well. I don't targets. think it's a problem if, if a player gets targeted a bunch. Yeah, he gets targeted a bunch, but he's not. You need it, it, the fact that he needed what is it, 128 targets mm-hmm. to achieve 15 points per game status is that's okay. It's pretty. It's pretty bad, in, in my opinion. Like, you, if you're getting 130 targets, chase you should expect the more. volume than the than be disappointed with efficiency. Sure. And sure, I don't. But we have to agree he's not going to get that in KC. <laughs> right. I, I I'm with you that I don't expect him to out target Tyreek or Kelsey, but I also think that the role that and you said this too that he's going to be better than Watkins and Harmon because they weren't that good in KC. I expect him to uh, be better than them. So him being the chasing the wide receiver two, it's not really chasing the wide receiver two. It's more that I think that Juju could be a good player in KC, but I think that uh, I also agree with you that. Uh, he's not going to out-target those guys, but I think he can still do fine in that role, like you said. And honestly, for the 112, I'm good with fine. All right, so <laughs> we are just eking up to that hour, so we're going to go even faster. Okay. Let, let's talk about the Jaguars for a second. I don't care about you guys. I am thrilled with Christian Kirk to the Jaguars. And also, Evan Engram went there. Like, I like Awkward inflection, I guess. Maybe he'll be able to... Ca- did he drop the pen while signing the contract? That's what I need to know. Like, that is, like, my first step of analysis. Like, okay, yeah, I know, I know. It was bad. Leave me alone. You know, a change of scenery is absolutely what this dude needs. Like, I, we're hoping that it sort of sparks that first year-ish back because there's not that much there. Uh, are you, I mean, I guess let's just say buy or sell and i know that's super tough because price absolutely matters but are you interested in these players in their new spots okay well, you were can you give us emotions. can you at least give us the price and tell us yes or no to that price all right christian kirk actually okay christian kirk mid late second evan engram late second even a tight end premium like no one believes in that guy anymore is that what he is in calculator late second i haven't i was not oh you're just giving us mid second kirk, kirk feels better than late and then Late second for Ingram feels accurate. I mean, in tight end premium, he's Evan Ingram is worth two nine ish, two ten ish, two nine ish. I'm good with that. Yeah, I like Evan Ingram. Yeah, I mean, in theory, he should be, but he's an injury prone receiver tight end that really hasn't been productive when he plays. So it's 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 tough. Like we're he hasn't gotten again. Twenty nineteen. Uh, yeah, it's true. He didn't really. Well, he except got for a small a little bit last year. year but yeah, it's fine. he got dinged up a little this year. Everybody gets injuries dinged happen up at this football, point. You, you can't know? hold. Yeah, you can't hold I, one I, game against people anymore. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's fine. I like, it's like a, with a late second. I don't. I'm yeah. not super confident. You can do worse. A, a very good player okay, there. Okay, but let, let's talk about doing worse. Would you rather send for Evan Engram or Zach Ertz, who just resigned on the Cardinals, with the Cardinals? 
Ingram. The answer the answer should be Ertz, but I'll go Ingram. See, I, I, I don't just think there's a Ertz. meaningful difference between their production and uh, Ingram's younger. Well, last year, I mean, Ertz was definitely pretty productive. I would say. Yeah, like if I well, just guarantee the better offense, so I'd go with the better offense. In non-tight end premium, because that's what I have here. I'm sorry, but in non-tight end premium, he had uh, 10 points per game last year. That's not moving many needles. Well, neither of them, neither of these guys are. This is absolutely guys you add guy. to the pool that you're streaming. Right, exactly. And so when I'm not, neither of them provide very uh, meaningful production, it's very replaceable production. But you're also sending a replaceable pick, and I'll just take the guy who's younger. But you're looking at it from Ertz pre-trade versus post-trade. Uh, so post-trade, his production, like he was a wide right. tight end one. I'll so, pull up the splits. Yeah. But anyways, if Making I can get two more years work. of Ertz in Arizona with the, what he did when he was there, I would say you can make the argument that Ertz greater than Ingram for those two years, just because Ingram may never even give you what Ertz did for those that second half split with Arizona. I would say Ertz probably was in that, in non-tight end premium, probably in that 14 points per game range, 13 to 14. Okay, but, but they are the exact same price in, well, I don't want to lie. They're not exact same. They're 0.1 apart in the calculator. So it's pretty much the exact same price. So just mm -hmm. so we can say we talked about running backs on this show, because apparently running backs matter to some people. Let's talk about the guys from Arizona. James Conner resigns. Chase Edmonds goes to Miami. Do we care about either? Are we of the minds that Arizona's still bringing people in, so maybe James Conner at best keeps that role he had in the beginning? Or do we believe James Conner is the guy? And then Chase Edmonds, is this just San Francisco East? I think that uh, Arizona brings in someone to replace Eno Benjamin because Eno Benjamin isn't very good. But other than that, I think James Conner remains in the... He's going to be the RB1 in rushing. He's, I think he's going to end up, it depends who they're bringing in, but I think he ends up as their RB1 in receiving just because he is a good receiver. It's not like what we saw in the very beginning of the season where he's a plotter who sometimes scores touchdowns. He's going to get work in the receiving game. Um, and for Edmonds, I, um, I'm not a film guy or a running back guy, but people that I trust with that stuff tell me that the wide zone scheme is good for Edmonds and that they expect him to... Uh, lead the team in carries and also the receiving work for the running back. So I'm into that um, at, at price. I don't hate it. Yeah, I, lo I love the Edmonds to Miami thing before Mostert went there too. Now, the, the, uh, obviously, Mostert got a $2 million one-year deal and Chase Edmonds got a, you know, a $12 million, a $6, $6 million a year deal. So there's clearly... Chase Edmonds is the preference there. He was signed first. He was given more money. But Mostert is not a slouch. He gets hurt a lot, but he's not a slouch. So I like Chase Edmonds. I think the Mostert going there might actually bring down his value a little bit because people have seen that Mostert is productive when he plays. He just doesn't play that often. So I actually like the Chase Edmonds um, to Miami thing. Uh, so I agree with Akash. For James Conner, if you invested in James Conner, you lucked out because not only did he produce and stay healthy the second half of the season when you would have traded for him, you know, late end of the season, he kept his production going. Um, he also started, you know, he's been a, a decent receiver. Like he's not getting 60, 70, 80 targets 
a season. But I think if they don't bring a Chase Edmonds replacement, we could see that 50-60 target season, which would be massive for his value. The one thing with James Conner is I would, I'm okay investing in James Conner, but I'm even more interested in investing in who the RB2 is going to be in Arizona. Because one thing about James Conner outside of last year, he's had a really difficult time staying healthy. Like he gets dinged up a lot. He misses games. So I would much rather target his RB2 at a cheaper price because that player's more than likely going to see the field in his absence. So I'd much rather roll the dice on that and get really cheap production when James Conner misses those few games and kind of do like patchwork running back in my flex than pay what's probably going to be a late first for James Conner. Yeah, um, just real quick. What, uh, I think we see this kind of Mostert signing whenever you have this kind of move. You bring someone who knows the system, who probably you don't bring in to be your starter, but someone for the locker room that can sit next to, I mean, if you, they do think Edmonds will be that guy who can sit next to Edmonds and be like, oh man, when you did this, maybe you do that next time. Like, this is how it's going to work for you. But man, like, I don't think you should write off Moster because watching that man play is like insane. Like, it doesn't look like he's trying to run but he's the fastest guy on the field. It's it's so it's so weird watching him play. Here's the real question. Just talking about the two of these again. In the calculator, James Conner is worth exactly the 110. And Chase Edmonds, pretty much worth the 201, in between the 201 and 202. I think at those prices, the answer to me is easily Edmonds. I'll take that risk of not of missing out on James Conner being the guy. Again, like you said. It was weird that Connor didn't get hurt having a workhorse role because we've seen him get hurt every single time he's gotten one. So, again, anecdotal. I'm not trying to predict injury and stuff like that. But it's just kind of what we've seen. So give me that couple of picks discount for a guy who A, can catch the ball. B, we've seen, assuming McDaniel brings over the exact running scheme that they've been running in, in San Francisco, a guy that seems like he can fit there and also can catch passes. So to me, I would rather take Chase Edmonds of the two, but I was one of those people that bought a whole lot of James Conner last year. So I got a couple of him, so I'm feeling pretty good about it. I, <clears throat> I would rather buy James Conner just because if he stays healthy, this is the if, he will be a 300 carry, 50 reception running back with high touchdown volume. Yeah. So that's league winning. Chase Edmonds is an RB2, I feel is a best-case scenario. Like I don't think Chase Edmonds will be an RB1. So James Conner has a potential to be top five, top three even, if you give him the full workload, which he was getting when Chase Edmonds went down. So at 110, I'm getting league-winning potential. Um, at 201, I'm getting an RB2 as my ceiling. So I think I pay the 110 to get James Conner and just pray. If that's the type of person that you are, I don't like that idea. But if I'm choosing between the two, I'd rather just pay the few extra spots. Like you said earlier, two or three or four extra spots in a rookie draft really isn't that monumental. But getting mm -hmm. 120, 150 more fantasy points is. All right. Any any splash, uh, crazy things to think about before we head on out of here? Either of you? Nope, that's it. All right. Well, we <laughs> almost made it to an hour. Close enough. But thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed it. I 
just download it. That's all we care about, right? It's just the numbers, guys. We don't really care what they think. They're not arguing. Okay, I was hoping they would argue. I hope you had fun. I hope you enjoyed. We hope to see you next time. I am Russ at Dynasty Outhouse. We have Akash at YZR underscore fantasy. We have Izzy at DTC underscore Izzy E. And I remember that all off the top of my head. Nice. Nice. We'll see you, we'll see you next time.